0: Welcome to another episode of Culinary School Stories, the weekly podcast that is dedicated to sharing the stories of people around the globe whose lives have been influenced, impacted, touched, and or enriched, for good or for bad, from their culinary school experience. Hi, my name is Colin Roach and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. You are an important part of this show where we ask the question, what's your culinary school story? So now, Without any further delay, let's meet today's guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 3 of the Culinary School Stories podcast, a proud member of the Food Media Network. And if you have not yet subscribed to the show, please do so. It is free, and we would love to have you as part of our community. You can follow the show and subscribe for free through your favorite podcast app, or through our website at www.CulinarySchoolStories.com, which is also where we store all of the podcast past episodes and our guest bios and contact information. So be sure to check it out. So now without any further delay, I would like to introduce today's guest who has a great story to share with all of us. he's coming to us all the way from Ireland. I would like to introduce Jeff Tyg Byrne. Tyg, welcome to the show. Hello, Colin, thanks for having me. Yeah. Great. So why don't we start like all good stories at the beginning? Where did your love of food come from? And how did that turn into, you know, a career? Where was it? Was it with your grandmother? Were you the, in the kitchen as a young child? Or was it something to work for us? Who was the inspiration? Kind of share about that, that we you got your start. Would you? Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah. It's kind of an unusual one. I, I grew up in Portugal. My parents kind of met there. Uh, we're well, not Portuguese in any way, but we lived there until I was nine as expats and i think food was kind of all around and restaurants were quite cheap well they still are and uh, we went to restaurants quite a lot like once once a week maybe when i was a kid so i was surrounded by portuguese food um sardines and you know all these kind of things and it was the 80s as well so there was kind of western influence you had egg mayonnaise and cocktail and, and these kind of weird things woven in but yeah, food was everywhere. And uh, that that's kind of, yeah, that was the introduction to it. We moved to Ireland when I was nine. It was a very different story. Ireland's food in 1993 was still kind of, uh, I don't know, <laughs> different,
0: definitely well, different. Yeah, different, different, <laughs> different, different.
1: Uh, it's come on leaps and bounds in the last 10, uh, you know, couple of decades. But uh, yeah, it was a bit of an adjustment. But I mean, there was, things that I fell in love with like Irish butter and Irish cheese straight away. And the bread here, I love the bread. And, uh, there was, you know, things that I, I hadn't eaten before. Um, there was a lot more processed food as well. So that was, that was kind of my teenage years and my, my, my late childhood, uh, towards the end of school, it was around 1998, 1999, when there was, I don't know if it was the same in, in the U S but over here, there was like this explosion of, uh, the idea of a celebrity chef and cooking programs on tv so you had the likes of rick stein uh, nigella lawson gordon ramsay even uh, jamie oliver all these kind of personalities coming, you know breaking through into the mainstream so it kind of became cool to be a chef all of a sudden and you know and food became and people started you know wanting to learn how to cook and stuff like that so this is coming up to when i was leaving school i would chosen a few other things um for college uh, i think i, I am pretty high at psychology and stuff like that but i knew i wasn't going to get the points for that so uh, it fell on culinary arts in what was known as a uh, dit at the time so i just went with it i I'd, I'd had a part-time job throughout school as a waiter in a local uh, four-star hotel in Arklow here where i'm from, and. Um, Yeah, I kind of, I developed the, I liked the hospitality industry. I kind of felt at home there. So yeah, when it came to going to college, I just, I just kind of went with it. I'll say, right, I'll try this culinary arts thing and and see what (laughs) it's all about. And and then the rest is kind of history.
0: Now, were your parents supportive of this? Or how did that go when you told them that this is what you're going to pursue?
1: Uh, Well, my mom, uh, that hotel where I was working as a waiter, they offered me an apprenticeship as a chef. And I didn't do very well at school. I didn't really enjoy school. I uh, couldn't wait to get out of there. So I, the thought of going to college for me was, um, I didn't, I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do another four years of school. Um, so my mom was really pushing me not to do the apprenticeship. And she said, you gotta go to college. You gotta go. Everyone in our family's going to college. Uh, you know, this is—it's just what you got to do. Uh, at least you'll have something to fall back on if, if you, you know, if you decide you don't like it, uh, and you'll have a qualification. And I said, okay, and I reluctantly went. Um, but yeah, I, I'm well. I'm glad. And then, like you know, when you're working throughout, you, I was doing a degree. It was a BA uh, honors in culinary arts and uh, you work chefs and they're saying why are you doing a degree in cooking why uh, you want to be a chef so why are you going to college <laughs> and doing four years why don't you just learn how to be a chef whilst being a chef uh, so the idea of going to college uh, for four years and doing a degree in culinary arts was pretty foreign back then in Ireland um, and it was one of the first degree programs if not the first in the world um, so yeah it, it, it uh I got through it anyway Took a while. Uh, I took a, a year out in the middle, and I was, um, yeah, I wasn't very studious back
0: then. <laughs> I, I found my inner nerd much much later on in life. So looking back with perspective, was it was it worth it? Was it a good return on your investment? I mean, or was it like there was was it parts so that were missing that you wish you had? Or can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, it was. I mean, they they sent us abroad for a summer. I went to work in a Michelin star place in Brussels uh i mean that's that's still with me today that training uh so that i you know that that's mm-hmm. it's in here and it's i suppose it doesn't even matter on a cv but it's, it's something that's kind of a mentality that's with me for life so there's things like that i probably wouldn't have had the initiative to get up and go to brussels and go and contact a michelin star restaurant on my own so there's stuff like that um what else as i say i took a gap year halfway through. Um, so that kind of took care of the monetary side of things. I was able to earn money for a year and then go back and, and see what work and life was like and I was, yeah. After that year, I was kind of like, I can't wait to be a student again. Like, like working is hard, you know. So let's let's put this on hold for as long as I can.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, it's probably the same reason I went back and did a masters as well later on in life. You know, just putting putting the being a grown up on hold kind of thing and and remaining a student. So yes, definitely to answer your question, definitely worth doing. Yeah, I'm glad I, I did the degree program because as well, um, it kind of paved the way for me to go and do a masters in gastronomy. 10 years later
0: great i want to hear about that too shortly but so going about talking about that degree in culinary arts did that open doors for you career-wise after you get out i mean do they network do they you know introduce you to work study type places that you can go and open you know better doors uh yes i mean a lot of the people i'm still friends with
1: a lot of a lot of the people that i went to college with and a lot of them have gone on to do product development and different things um uh, some you know some people did a master's uh, but yeah different different areas people have you know gone into front of house they've gone into setting up their own business and stuff like that on a personal level i initially thought that maybe it would lead to more opportunities and more pay but i see these days they 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 advertise that they want a culinary arts degree in a lot of jobs uh, back then it didn't make too much of a difference but how it did help me was when i moved to australia And I was going for a job as a restaurant manager, and I was looking for a visa through sponsorship. And a lot of people from Ireland at the time were looking for visas because there was a big recession in Ireland, as there was around the world. But um, having that qualification helped me get the visa, whereas some other people that applied for hospitality jobs and stuff like that, they didn't have the qualifications and they... They had to find other ways of staying in Australia or they had to come home. So it was that. And then, as I say, it kind of led to me getting into doing a master's as well uh, years later. So, yeah, um, it opened doors and I'm still friends with the people, as I said. And, you know, we get together quite often and uh, it's, it's a network for life. Yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah, yeah what about certification in this country we have like american culinary federation and the you know baking guild and they give you a lot of certifications like that and that can be you know valuable as well is that something that is in ireland and over there in europe or is it they're looking more at the degree or is it just experience i mean there's
1: different options you can do there's the the apprenticeship there's day release you can do one day a week in college and then you work the other four or five so you can earn while you learn essentially you can do a one-year professional cookery, you can do a two-year professional cookery, you can do a diploma in culinary arts, and then you can do a degree in culinary arts, and then you can do an MA in gastronomy if you want, but there's no cooking in that. Mm. Other than that, th- there is private schools around. The, the, the most famous one is called Bali Malu, and they churn out a lot of good chefs. It's expensive and it's very condensed. I think it's it's pretty hardcore, like you do three months intensive. To get your qualification but the people that come out of there they're a different kind of chef but they're very entrepreneurial i'd say you know they're very good at setting up their own business be it a food product or a little cafe or something like that um so that's kind of a fast track to it if you can afford it but yeah very reputable school i work in ali which is similar enough but uh i think you know we do a lot of corporate stuff so a lot of fun and then the public will come in for a day so there's no accreditation as such but yeah, so the, there's plenty of options here. There used to be a program called CERT, and you could get paid. You'd kind of get the basic welfare check uh, while you were in college for people that wanted a more kind of vocational um, training when they got out of school and when they were about 16 to, to 20 kind of thing. Like. But uh, it's no longer running that one. Mm-hmm. But that was an, an initiative. There was a chef. Crisis at the time as there is now, and I think start was an initiative to get people into the industry. So maybe maybe we need to look at that that again, paying people to train as chefs, incentivize it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of the same in this country now. Where kind of people are, especially after COVID, having that you know the pandemic gave them a pause. Now they're not willing to go back into the industry. It seems to are having trouble filling the positions, and we've also had a lot of culinary schools here in the United States that have closed. You know, for a variety of reasons, one being that it's, it's, it's a, it's a hard, I guess, discipline or degree to give out because it's a small amount of students. You have to buy a lot of expensive products. It's very expensive, you know, to go to. Culinary school and try to get a degree in that and working with all those projects. Yeah, so we've so I mean, they've closed quite a bit. So it's going through kind of a change or a transition in the industry now because, you know, they're wondering like, well, where's the feeder programs? Who's who's training the next generations of chefs and where are they going to come from? Is that going to be online? Is that going to be more community colleges? So is is it still going strong in Ireland and Europe, or do you see some falling off or are the industry changing? It is totally. It's the exact same. Yeah, uh, there's just no chefs anywhere.
1: Uh, anyone can find. Um, people are holding out for the good office jobs when they come back, in contract catering. Um, I mean, yeah, there's there's a there's a there's a struggle here. Uh, it, it's an industry that relies on immigration migration, as with the states, I suppose. You know, with a lot of kind of Polish. Romanians, uh, Lithuanians, Latvians, Hungarians in, in the industry here, but Irish people just don't want to do it anymore, and especially the younger generation. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a similar thing. I'm, I hope the cooking schools don't close here. I hope that people will continue to want to be chefs, and uh, I can... I guess we as an older generation <laughs> or a middle generation um, have a role to play in that in, in attracting people and treating people well, you know, and and uh, sharing the profits with them. You know, a lot of restaurants and hotels make, you know, huge profits, like they're not reflected in the in the wages of, of these people. So that is something that has to change for sure. And But there's so many benefits to this industry, you know. You can travel with it. You get, you know, tips in a lot of places. You get, unlimited food free coffee you can always you're always going to be learning you can stash you can you can just walk into any other restaurant and say hey i want to work with you for a day i mean can you do that in other industries just walk into it and learn for free i don't know you know so there's there's, there is many benefits but we really need to start shouting
0: about what the benefits are and stop and stop complaining as well Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. So true. We got to keep the industry up. We have to promote it and we have to, you know, change as an industry, right, to, to make it, you know, more attractive to those that are coming up through the ranks now. And, you know, yeah. and yeah, life balance and, you know, mental and personal, you know, well-being of people. So tell me about uh your influences growing up i'm sure being you know growing up in portugal that must have influenced your cuisine and then being in ireland where where is your where is your influences come from as as becoming a culinary and as becoming a chef if you've gone up through the ranks
1: yeah i suppose yeah portugal was an early influence i the i, I still like the idea of you know simple ingredients cooked cooked well yeah that kind of that portuguese aspect of taking nice seasonal products and and treating them well but um I mean the yeah, plenty, plenty of influences. Uh, I remember reading, you know, Gordon Ramsay's autobiography, Marco Pierre White's autobiography, and being hugely inspired by them. Uh, I used to watch uh, The Naked Chef with Jamie Oliver. I was a, a fan of his Vespa and, and his. Uh, I thought he had a cool <laughs> apartment and a, a cool little life going and and that uh, like and he kind of made chefing look fun. Uh, Yeah, those Rick Stein, you know, as I say, just just when I was about 18, 19, thinking about going to culinary school, there was this explosion of TV chefs in in the UK and in Ireland. So um, I went on in later years. Who else? Well, then just right right as I was going into college, I think it was the summer before I read Kitchen Confidential, Anthony Bourdain. And it was kind of love at first sight almost, you know, that kind of I was like, wow, this, this guy is so cool. I like he sells it well. Um, I want to be involved in this, and uh, I yeah I went on to watch all of his shows and, and I, I've even read a few of his um and non or his fiction books um, recently enough. But uh, yeah, A.A. Gil as a writer, you know, hilarious. He was a food critic for Tatler and for the Sunday Times. I remember we used to get the Sunday Times in our house actually when I was a kid. So I I'd occasionally read his column called Table Talk and he was just ruthless but he was hilarious like it was entertaining and uh you know
0: he's he's funny to watch as well in his interviews anyway hey girl anyone that doesn't know him check him out did that influence your writing because i know you wrote a blog or still write a blog you wrote for a couple of like i think newspapers local ones doing like uh restaurant reviews Did, did that have an influence on you or Maybe you could speak to that.
1: Uh I can only aspire to. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's, yeah,
1: I suppose A.A. Gill. Um, my travel writing, I suppose, I tried to blog a bit when I was traveling uh, and try to make it comical. So maybe there's a bit of A.A. Gill in there. But um, I suppose a lot of the writing that I've done is kind of is quite functional um, for guidebooks and and on my blog it serves as a guide as well. So that the 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 writing is quite uh, condensed and quite uh, um, tight, I suppose. So yeah, I, it's yeah. Just, just journalistic style, I suppose is, is, is what I've, I've been exposed to or, or had the opportunity to write, but I, I'd love to write something a bit more comical or a bit more, uh, um, edgy, in the fug- edgy, edgy. Exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So we should tell uh, listeners, do your blog still going? I mean, could, tell, tell them maybe uh, the, I can put it in the show notes where the website is, where they could find and follow some of your writings.
1: Yeah. So my, my blog is called the feed as in like a Facebook feed, but also, you know, feeding yourself. Um, so that's thefeed.ie. It was, it was started as a guide to Dublin cafes, where to get a good coffee and a good brunch in Dublin. It kind of expanded out into suppliers as well. And I like, I interviewed a lot of people for that. So, um, again, kind of working on that journalistic angle of kind of picking people's brains and, and, and kind of draw information out of them. And, uh, Yeah, and then I think well, and then I started my masters, so I put the whole thing on hold, and I was like, right, I'm going to park this blog uh, for two years and then come back to it when I finish my masters. So there's some of my academic writing has been uh, adapted uh, for it, and there's a few kind of rants about me, you know, about the industry and stuff like that, and just just (laughs) little blogs that are up there. Um, Yeah, and a a guide to like my hometown here, where to get food, and and a few little bits
0: like that kind of creeping in there. Great. So that's the feed.ie Yeah. I'll put that link in the show notes too so if anyone's uh, you know, driving can't look at do it right now, they can find it afterwards. Is this uh is is culinary media something that you aspire to that you're going to continue with? I mean, are you going to do shows, videos, um other things besides the writing? Yeah, I'd love to I'd love to do a podcast, to be honest.
1: <laughs> so uh any tips no um, sure. yeah yeah no actually
0: got a i got a free class right now on my courses i'll send you the link to it it's introduction Fantastic. to podcasting for the hospitality profession nice so nice there's one. all kinds of information in it so i'll get that i'll put that in the show notes too if anyone else is listening so it tell you all about how to start Podcasting, you know, from a basic point of view, and how you can do it as a business or to build a personal brand. Fantastic, brilliant! I look forward to that.
1: um Yeah, there's, well, yeah, any any sort of media is something that's kind of just kind of crept into my life. It wasn't something I ever really thought of. I've just been asked to do videos for various things. Uh, the local library service was last year during lockdown. I made a couple of videos for them, just cooking kind of demos in my back garden. Mm-hmm and uh then i was approached by a friend of mine that works for the St. Patrick's Day festival they had to do a digital content festival this year obviously because um apparently there's a, some sort of virus going around or something but uh yeah so it was all on- online <laughs> and they needed a lot of content and they needed it quick and she's like would you like to make a program on on food and i i said yeah absolutely yeah what do you want to do and, So we came up with the idea of doing the history of Irish food in five episodes from, you know, the Bronze Age. Wow. Or, or, you know, from from the beginning, the first humans in Ireland all the way right up to modern day. So there's a five part. You find that on YouTube, actually, it's still there. So, Um, yeah, if you want to learn about the history of Irish food, uh, it does what it says on the tin. And, uh, yeah, it covers, uh, you know, uh, many many millennia. So yeah, I, I I enjoy that. I mean, it's fun. You know, we we got to travel around the country,
0: chatting to people and eating food. What could be better? So I right yeah. yeah, I'd love to do more of that. Talk about that though, from the video and the the, the, the celebrity chef point of view, because I'm sure it's the same as it has been in this country. You know, it's it's a double edged sword because it drives a lot of people to the industry because it's exciting. And they want to be like Jamie Oliver or Gordon Ramsay. And they think it's all fun. But at the same time, it doesn't show the other side, like the work, right? The cleaning, no. the you know, the hard hours and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe you could talk about because you've you've been on TV, you've do media, and but at the same time, you've gone up through the ranks and stuff. So, if there's someone listening right now, and maybe you could talk about the positives and, and negatives and about the culinary media. I guess maybe maybe does give a false impression. You know, there's um
1: there's there was the early one with gordon ramsay at boiling point i think it was where you know he's just bullying all his staff basically and uh, i think he's chasing his michelin star third one or something and he's very stressed um i think you know he's probably changed a bit down through the years and, and chilled out mm-hmm. uh, and, and did kind of cultivate that tv persona i always kind of thought about those kind of chefs though is it like we're glorifying bullies really is, is what it is, you know, and that idea of shouting at people and, and treating them like, like idiots. Um, I didn't have much time for that kind of stuff. And the, the drama that goes with it, there's a lot of these cooking shows, you know, the, the competition ones, they kind of, they don't really give it an idea of what it's like in a real kitchen. Right. Uh, there's a lot of drama in it, but I mean, yeah, it would be good to have a kind of a gritty fly on the wall show of what it's really like i mean there was the there was a a company that did a a kind of a take on kitchen confidential called kitchen confidential with bradley cooper and it gave a pretty good insight into the industry and you know the the plight of the the commie chef and the the kitchen porter and the, the the head chef and trying to gather a crew you know all that kind of stuff so uh that might be worth watching for anybody that's that's thinking about getting into the industry but um Yeah, I mean, it is a tough industry. There's no denying it. I'm kind of in the position to... I'm seeing it through the eyes of my friend now. I've recently got my friend, Chris, a job in a kitchen, and it's his first kitchen job, uh, you know, at age 32 or 33 or something. You you fancy the career change, and he thought, give it a go. And he's gone through all the things I went through when I first arrived. It's like, what? You guys don't get breaks? And it's like, you just, it's all go, you just don't stop. You get in and it's just bam, bam, bam all day. And then like, there's this big long clean down at the end when you think it's over. So, and then, you know, there's all the egos and stuff like that in kitchens. It's its a tough industry, but it, it toughens you, you right. know? I think if you can kind of get through the first years of it, you, you know, you can
0: get through anything almost, you know? So. Okay, at this halfway point in the show, I want to take a quick pause and tell you about an amazing opportunity from one of the industry leaders in culinary and hospitality online education. Whether you are an individual looking to get more training in the front or back of the house that is documented through assessment and certification, or are a small or large hospitality business owner looking to find an effective and legitimate educational training institution will provide your employees quick, easy, and affordable operational training, well then, the Pineapple Academy is for you. The Pineapple Academy is the premier provider of online education in the areas of food service training that is designed for both front and back of the house frontline workers in the restaurant and hospitality industries. Their current curriculum includes a variety of topics to fulfill your personal training needs, such as knife skills, food safety, customer service, cleaning and sanitation, and so much more. And during this time where staffing is a concern for everyone, their training programs provide an easy and affordable way for hospitality businesses and individuals to manage and implement a high-class training program. And as someone who has taken several of their training courses, I can honestly say that they are always focusing on the needs of their customers and the industry while constantly adding to their training library. Their pineapple path to learning delivers impactful training solutions for individuals or businesses of any size. Their commitment to educational excellence is centered around delivering skills training in five minutes or less. This unique approach is based upon research that suggests the highest level of learner retention and engagement. In each video, the specific skills provided are presented by subject matter experts who bring real-world experiences to the training. They offer food service training solutions for individuals and businesses of any size in either an individual or group training format, depending on your specific needs. Their training is designed to be fast, effective, and an easy way to get real-world practical knowledge for yourself or your team, and it is the perfect tool to onboard new team members and standardize your training. And the best news is you can get started for as little as $9.99 a month with their personal plan or $14.99 a month for their business plan. They also have custom options available for businesses as well. And you can try it for free before you buy, because today I am including a custom link just for you in the show notes and description section of this episode, which will give you a 14-day free trial. So what do you have to lose? Go and check out the Pineapple Academy today. I have really enjoyed their courses, and I know you will too. Okay, so now back to the show. And you, you went into catering though. So maybe you could speak to that because you have a catering company and how is that different than, you know, maybe the typical restaurant job that people may go for. And maybe you can speak to that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I, I took two years out and I was working as an agency chef. So as a temp chef, so I just went into loads of different places and, um, just showed up do the work and then you go home and it's kind of it's it's kind of cool lifestyle in a way uh, the food varies from venue to venue, uh, and while i was doing that i kind of i got asked and i just you know you can plan your 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 diary around these things it's quite flexible so if i was asked to do a bit of catering for someone's birthday party or something i, I could say yes because i knew I, I you know you didn't have to work every saturday if you didn't want to right so it was flexible so yeah it kind of started that way again just people asking me can you do this can you do that and i have a habit of just saying yes to everything and uh and taking on far too much work <laughs> so i was doing the catering and working as an agency chef for two years and i really enjoyed it and you know you're doing your own food for parties and stuff like that and you can do whatever food you want but you, you don't have the kind of the stress of having all the staff and the overheads and the rent and 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 trying to get footfall, uh you're going to the customer as such as rather than waiting them to come to you so it's there's a lot of benefits to it you know yeah. you need a, a bit of a kind of initial capital to kind of get it off the ground but uh, i've just been building it very slowly and then obviously the pandemic hit and kind of I, I was kept going with the agency work thankfully and uh, now I've yeah, I've gone kind of launched myself full steam ahead into this catering company called Fed Up. Fed Up. Yeah, tongue tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, that's that's a that's another avenue you can go down. If you if
0: you don't want to work in restaurants or hotels or something, you know, there's, there's catering that's a lot of a lot of opportunities out there, a lot of career paths that people can break off and splinter off into.
1: So. totally, yeah. And uh, you know, you learn that as a as an agency chef. Because you're going into hospitals, you're going into offices, you're going into nursing homes and all that. And, you know, all these places have food. And uh, it's not – I was always in restaurants and cafes. So it's not a world that I was exposed to, that kind of – yeah, that that whole side of catering.
0: So, yeah, catering or cooking cooking's everywhere. So Yeah, that's a big thing here, the senior and healthcare divisions of it. That's really big because, you know, a lot of these, you know, customers these clients they're demanding good food so they want that when they go into retirement homes and into hospitals and they want chefs and it's got it's got a, a good lifestyle you know it gives you the time off gives you good benefits so I've seen a lot of people you know, transferring into that we have a tendency to just have this cliche image of you know oh,
1: I have to work nights I have to work weekends you know everyone's an alcoholic drug addict in the industry but you know you walk into the hospitalism you know everyone has breaks everyone has a pension everyone you know they work right. eight hour shifts so you know there's opportunities out there for chefs um it just depends on, on what your lifestyle is
0: and and where you're at and, and what kind of food you want to work with yeah so you've done a lot in the industry you've done all, a lot of different parts a lot of different seg- sectors and segments in it What's next for you? Where do you see yourself in the next five years, 10 years? Where, where do you want to, where are you going to end up? I don't know. What's, what's next? Yeah. I mean, uh, ne- like
1: everyone, I, I want to work life balance. Uh, I see, I see where this company goes, but uh, ideally I'd like to kind of get off my feet, you know, as, as we get older and, um, and, 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 uh. I don't want to wear myself out too much you know or have to have a hip replacement when i'm 45 or anything like that so uh i suppose that the idea would be to take a kind of backseat from the kitchen uh, at some point and, and work on on the business and not in the business as such but uh i'd, I'd like to get into teaching a bit more as well I, I've, I've been teaching in a in a cooking school for the last two years and done a few other little bits and pieces with other companies and stuff so i'd, I'd like to probably get into teaching the theory side of it maybe Mm. and do a bit of writing as well or journalism or tv work or anything like that i'm 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 open to anything good good right right, great.
0: as long as it's around food yeah right that's the that's the common you know the linchpin there that you know everything hinges around there's so many opportunities that they can go to now so you collect hot sauces (laughs) i do yeah i started (laughs) yeah uh i started
1: with a few and then people saw that i had a, a little mini collection and they started bringing them to me from all around the world yeah yeah louisiana style kind of hot sauces and chipotle and really yeah I've, I've about 20 now some of them are probably out of date but uh at any given time i normally have 20 with some coming in and some coming out wow yeah it, it's not a big thing here i think for anyone that's interested in it it's a hugely untapped market in ireland
0: uh, the whole hot sauce barbecue kind of thing like because yeah, here we go to the store you buy you know 20 bottles all different types it's constantly every area has their own they make it not there though yeah i know yeah so yeah. there's. i don't know if you can convince irish
1: people to use hot sauce and with a good marketing campaign you know there's a lot of money to be made there i think but uh yeah no it was the same in australia i got i think i got into it in australia i was living i lived in melbourne for seven years and uh, hot sauce is is kind of it's a, a relatively new thing but it's it's very popular down now are you a fan of hot sauce
0: yeah uh, i i like it i'm not the person that has to you know i don't want to cry and and, and sweat and oh tears yeah, yeah, yeah. when i'm eating you know some people do that they and you can't taste the food but i think in right situations it can really highlight a dish you know like i like buffalo wings i think the the hot sauce and the and the butter and the Fat of the chicken wing, and I think all that does a great flavor. Ireland
1: also. is obsessed with buffalo wings. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've almost taken it on as our national dish here. Really? Yeah, it's bizarre. Like the, the country is obsessed the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, every pub, every restaurant nearly would
0: do wings. Wow. Buffalo wings with a blue cheese dip. And I celery. would never have thought that. I know. Yeah. I just did a, uh, well, for my YouTube channel, I just did, um, like baked buffalo tofu. Because my son likes it. Instead of having chick, you know, I, I instead of using it in flour and egg and things like that, a standard breading procedure, I put it in cornstarch and then in some almond milk and then in uh, panko breadcrumbs. But again, throwing it in the Franks, using a vegan butter, because I tried to keep it vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He, my son, he, my youngest son, he, 10, he eats it. He loves it. I want mean, to try that. We yeah. eat chicken too, but he just loves tofu. He's like, can you make some of that tofu buffalo? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Good
0: <laughs> on him. Well, I've, there's some good cauliflower wings out there as well. Yeah, yeah. I've had some of the Korean ones on that, so those are good. So, yeah. So, you can go cr- crazy on that. Uh, so you're an influence now because, you know, you've been teaching classes, you've had students, you know, you've got your blog, you're influencing. Who's an influence to you? I mean, who's influenced you in your career? Or someone that you want to give a shout out that's influenced you now, whether that's personally or professionally that you want to, you know,
1: share? I mean, there
0: was, there was our lecturers
1: back, back in the day. Uh, the school was headed by a man called um, Joseph Hegarty. who was probably a bit of a visionary. In the time he had a he had a vision for Ireland and, and what training up the next generation of chefs would do for the country. I think I mean, he was ambitious, probably backed up by uh, Martin, who who was a younger lecturer at the time, who went on to set up um, the master's program that I'm on, which is the gastronomy one. And he's he's also done great things for food in Ireland uh, and raising the level of education and trying to you know through training all of these these kids like myself uh, and elevating their kind of education. They've gone on to do great things and get Michelin stars and, you know, just put Ireland on the map as a kind of foody country. Um, like two, two other people who have been great influence and helpful for me are two of my classmates from that master's, Paul and Santino. The three of us are part of this food network called Wicklow Naturally, which is for the local area. It's to associate all of the, the food and drink producers in the area and then get chefs like myself to use all of the local products that are being made or farmed or kind of local restaurants to use all of these products and and linking everyone and then kind of keeping it all local, you know, and and reducing our food miles and kind of supporting each other and and growing and putting Wicklow on the map as a food, as a food destination. So yeah, it's, that's great. Paul Smith and Santina Kennedy, Uh, the three of us, um, we have a certain magic, you know, when we, when we get together and, and we're, very good at supporting each other and kind of uh, sending work each other's way so we all live in in the same kind of area we're part of this food network called Wicklow Naturally which uh, is a bunch of local producers um and restaurants and chefs and and people involved in the food and drink industry kind of getting together and promoting each other and using each other's products and uh you know, even in my own business, I'll I'll have a lot of local cheeses, and and I'll try and incorporate. And then there'll be local pubs that use local distilleries, and 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 beer brewers and stuff like that. So there's a there's there's um there's there's a, something magical happening in, around Wicklow at the moment. So keep an eye on, on Wicklow as a as a food destination in in the coming years. So a big shout out to yeah Santina and Paul for all their help and and kind of helping me get set up with my my own catering company as well.
0: That's great. That's cool. Is there a marketing thing with that? Or is there a website or someone can go on Wicklow and and support it or follow it? Or is there festivals? Uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. WicklowNaturally.ie.
1: We're just about to kick off uh, in October uh, is food month. So there's going to be food and drink events happening all month long, all across County Wicklow, everywhere from schools to libraries to, you know, venues, restaurants, pubs. Um, There's going to be people in the local supermarket talking about their produce and and chatting with customers. So just, yeah, uh, uh, you know, throughout the whole month of October. So keep an eye on WicklowNaturally.ie and I think we've close to 100 members now, maybe somewhere between uh, around 90 to 100. So anything from, you know, uh, people that keep alpacas uh, and and make bread and uh, people that are foragers and do foraging tours and distilleries and some some bigger companies and some single person companies so that's great it's exciting times i think you know
0: do you need an honorary member i could fly over maybe
1: absolutely we need ambassadors around the world (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
0: i nominate you all right
1: with your your southeast ireland name
0: Yes, I'm an Irish citizen. I'm ready to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're a roach yeah you're, you're more than welcome.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Well that's good. I'll put that link to in below and you know if someone wants to check it out maybe there's someone listening in the local area doesn't know anything about it they could find out more Fantastic. Or traveling yeah. to the area over there yeah and wants to go and take and get involved in that as well. Yeah. That' yeah. be awesome. So as we come to the end of our chat today, and before we wrap up, is there any last-minute advice or guidance that you want to leave with the listeners? You know, something you want to share, maybe someone that's coming up and going into this industry or wants to go to culinary school, that you could, you know, give them some a bit of knowledge? Well, the first piece of
1: advice I always give any apprentice chef starting out is don't wash too many of your aprons in one go because they'll end up in a big knot, you know? (laughs) I wish somebody had told me that uh, when I was younger. But um, yeah, no, on a more serious note, I mean, it is a great industry. You'll meet very eccentric but wonderful people and you can travel all over the world. There's loads of different kind of venues that you can work in. It doesn't just have to be restaurants. Um, There's nine to five jobs out there if you want them. And then you can diversify, so... Uh, I, I would recommend it as an industry and I'd, I'd recommend that people go to college these days, you know, uh, cause it's getting so competitive out there. Um, if you want, you know, these kind of, if you want to get into teaching or something like that, you need the qualifications these days. So if you want to, you know, diversify, but um, I mean, yeah, enjoy it. Um, you know, d- don't tolerate buddies, I always say, uh, unless it's, you know, the head chef, just keep the, the you know, don't bother arguing. You just say, yes, chef, and get on with the work. Mm. But anyone else, I mean, I don't think it's it's necessary to, you know, tolerate bullies in this day and age. Call it out, you know. And, um, yeah, work hard, but um, play hard, but uh, look after your kind of physical health and, and your mental health will follow, I think. Uh, it's important to stay. It's hard, but it's important, I think, to, you know, make an effort to stay fit and uh not to drink too much and you know going into work hungover don't 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 do it you might think you're able but uh it'll catch up with you sooner or later you know so look after your health and uh, and your mental health will follow i think um but yeah um yeah i i, I always recommend hospitality and especially chefing the great thing is you, you'll never ever stop learning if you if you want you know this you could go off and, and do a year learning about indian or Nepalese food or something you know something that i don't even know that very much about you know at 37 uh you know japanese food is probably a four year apprenticeship in its own there's so much and uh mm-hmm. yeah read read the books read read autobiographies uh you know get a nice cookbook collection and uh you know buy, borrow cookbooks from your local library i mean there's so much online these days but uh, there's something something nice about holding a cookbook and uh, uh, having splatters on it and, and having your own kind of collection and, and you know that that influences you you know you can look back and go right well that was that era of my it's like cds isn't it you go that's, yeah. that's yeah. that era of my life and, and and this is the college era and that that cookbooks from you know when I was dating that girl or whatever I'm trying to impress that girl
0: yeah cooking's a good life skill too right you can always cook a nice meal and uh you know it's a good life skill
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> you want to impress a girl
1: yeah
0: that's <laughs> my advice. well that is just about all the time we have for this episode and i want to first thank you Tig, for coming on the show today and sharing your culinary school story with all of us we really appreciate your time your insight and your honesty thank you for having me colin it's been a pleasure
1: yeah i look forward to meeting you in person sometime in the not too distant future
0: yeah definitely if you ever get to florida united states give a call
1: Likewise, if you're ever in the sunny southeast and want to
0: come to the foodie
1: capital, that is County Wicklow.
0: Excellent. All right. Thanks again. I really enjoyed our chat. Bye-bye now. All right. Cheers, man. And a big thanks and appreciation also goes out to all of you, the listeners. We hope you enjoy the show and this episode. You all are a big part of this show, so please let us know what you think. Your comments are always welcome and they help us in making the best show possible. You can email them to CulinarySchoolStories at gmail.com. That's CulinarySchoolStories at gmail.com. Or even leave us a voicemail at area code 207-835-1275. That's area code 207-835-1275. And if you like the show, we have a big ask of all of you. And that is to share the podcast with everyone you know and to give us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, until our next Culinary School Story, take care and be well. Bye-bye. Culinary School Stories is a proud member of the Food Media Network.